What book have we been going through? You, you would think I know this. Clearly, clearly my brain is just not here this morning. Colin just had a heart attack. He's like, I, I haven't prepared for Mark. Brian, I don't know what you're talking about. I've got from Luke. Yeah, my, Colin will just get up and preach. Uh, so we've been going through the book of Luke over the, the last couple of months. And I just, I, I, I can't be surprised anymore But I am overawed at how often God moves and prepares even without me realizing. And and I think, oh, I've got a plan and I set out on it. Meanwhile, God had a plan all along. Today is our mission fair. And we set that into the, the calendar ages ago. We lined it up that there we go. That's the mission's fair. And as I started processing which passages of Scripture we're going to go, knowing we've got some breaks, I kind of just put down, yeah, there's the passage, there we go, forget about it, and, and off we go. And as we came closer to the time, I, I was amazed to realize that today's passage deals with missions. Isn't that just incredible? But this is where it gets even more incredible is I had been speaking to Colin, or through Faye, we'd spoken to Colin and said, would you come and preach? few weeks ago, Colin said, hey, Brian, I've got some thoughts that I'd like to speak about. Is there anything you want me to actually preach on? So I said, well, we've been going through Luke, and here we are, and that's the passage that it'll be, and it's about missions, so I'm pretty sure you'll be able to focus on that. And Colin replied back saying, you know, Brian, you're not going to believe this, and I didn't reply. Of course I believe it. Uh, Colin said, you're not going to believe this. I've been looking at that exact same passage from one of the other Gospels. And, and I stand back in awe, realizing that, you know, we might make some plans, but it is God who directs our footsteps. So, Colin, I'm going to invite you up onto the stage. Colin Godwin is the president of Carry. Carry is one of the ministries and mission organizations that we as a church support, as well as through the umbrella of the Canadian Baptists of Western Canada, the CBWC, and we are a member church of the CBWC. So, Colin kind of belongs to us in a way, being the president of Carry, because Carry kind of belongs to us as we partner together. I'm going to pray for Colin first, and then Colin, I'm going to invite you to have freedom and liberty to speak to us, as I know you will. Let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you that though we think we're making plans and we think we're lining things up, God, it is you who moves us and orchestrates it in your sovereign will. And so, Lord, this morning, I thank you for Colin's willingness, even after having been away this past week at the assembly gathering, that, Lord, he would still come, not only to share about Carrie, but to share your word to us. Thank you that even months ago, you were preparing him for this morning. So, Lord, we pray, would you speak through him with liberty, with freedom, speak straight into our hearts by your spirit, that we would respond not to a man and his words, but to our heavenly Father and your words. For we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you, Colin. Good morning, church. I'm so excited to be here. It's always a joy to come here. Some very important people in my life attend this church, and it's a great chance to visit and to thank them for their prayers. And I want to thank you all for praying for Carrie over the last few years. I've been uh, coming up to my sixth year as president of Carrie Theological College. And uh, I'll share a little bit about that, but uh, the real thrust of my message this morning is I want to challenge you to the call that God has on your life. 
Wherever you're at, if you're in a season of resting and searching, or if you're in a season of busyness, God, by his spirit, is calling you today to give yourself anew to him. Our text this morning is from Luke chapter 5. In, uh, and I'll read from verses 1 to 11, and then from 27 to 32. The passage, of course, is Jesus calling his first disciples. Verse 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he, finished, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've, been working, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, so they signaled their partners to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus', knee, at Jesus knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This story is not simply a biography of the disciples, but rather it's a statement of God's plan for human beings. Move the slide along, please. Jesus' call to his first disciples is not just for them, but it's for us too. And I'd just like to point a few things out in this text. It seems a very decisive, which it is, and abrupt text. It's somehow it seems like this is the first time these, uh, these fishermen had encountered Jesus, the first time they'd heard about him, and they'd drop everything and follow him. Luke tells the story that way just so that it has that impact on our lives. And we all know those times when God has spoken to us and said, I have something new for you. And it's that, that evening in prayer, it's that weekend, it's that Sunday morning in church, and God says, it's time for you to take a new step of obedience to follow me. And those moments are decisive in our lives. And yet, just like for us, for the disciples, there is a context here. There is a story. Simon and Andrew already knew Jesus from when Andrew was a disciple of John. And Jesus had healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law. So Jesus' call is not as abrupt as we might imagine. And even in this short account, short account, we see a progression of obedience. After getting up early in the morning to fish, next slide. After getting up early in the morning to fish, they were finished. They were done. They were tired. They were putting their nets away. They were cleaning them and they were tending them. That's a picture of some fishermen on, uh, in the Democratic Republic of, of the Congo. And uh, fishermen, I, as we observed when we were missionaries there, they get up 
early in the morning to fish. The sun don't come out, the, the fish don't come up to the surface when the sun is shining. So it's early in the morning or it's in the evening. And we would, you, I don't have the audio, but uh, they sing songs and they're rowing. And those big poles that you might see coming out of the boat, it's a little further, far away, those hold the nets. You don't go fishing at midday since the fish stayed away from the surface. The disciples knew that. So what were they doing? The fishermen were taking instructions about how to fish from a carpenter. Doesn't sound like good practice to me. And they knew that. As Daryl Bach notes, we have fishermen taking directions from a carpenter on how to fish. And yet they obey Jesus and put down their nets. I think that's a common thing in our Christian obedience as well. So often when God asks us to take new steps, it's, it's give a little bit more of our time. It's uh, 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 develop this new spiritual discipline in, my, in our lives. It's read scripture more faithfully. It's reach out to that person that has hurt us so that we can try to reconcile the relationship. When God asks us to do that, we take risks and we obey. Jesus asks us to obey him in the smaller things before giving us a bigger challenge. We are asked to give what we have, whether it's nets and boats or money, time, and relationships, and then he prepares us for larger things. Fishermen might be particularly suitable for fishing for people. They needed perseverance, patience, and a sense of, some sense of timing uh, when they fished on the lake. They also needed courage on that lake. It was a lake that was um, uh, often had um, storms come up that were unpredictable. And that courage is something that the religious leaders of the day lacked. So Jesus passed over all the religious leaders and he picked this bunch of fishermen. On the other hand, they were not ideal candidates for following Jesus. As we read later on in Luke they were often self-centered and inhospitable. When the crowds following Jesus got hungry in Luke chapter 9, the disciples only thought of sending them away to buy food. And they wanted to chase away the children of Luke 18 and rebuke those who bothered Jesus with such trivialities. And they couldn't stay awake when he prayed on the Mount of Olives in Luke 22. And of course, they abandoned him in the end. And so as we read this text this morning, let's have all that in mind. The potential of these fishermen, the unpreparedness of these fishermen, the brokenness of these fishermen. And we might think about our own preparedness, unpreparedness, and brokenness as well, because I doubt that any of us would do any better. And that is exactly, my friends, that is the point God does not need servants who think they are doing God a favor. God does not call those who think they can help God do God's work. Jesus wants followers. People who align themselves with his priorities and leave their own objectives behind to enter into his kingdom. Like those fishermen left the boats on the shore. This is the task of discipleship. And this task of forming leaders has been the backbone 
of my own call as a missionary and now as president at Cary Theological College. Next slide. God has, not stopped, God has not stopped calling men and women to ministry, but the world has experienced an unprecedented decline in qualified and capable Christian leaders. Why is that? Well, Christian young people um, can struggle in their faith, and it's wonderful with the, the serve pro, uh, program that's going on. So we buy lots of popcorn today. My daughter's been on three of those trips, and it's been life-changing for her. Carrie has a safe place for students at the University of British Columbia. Since 1960, we've been a place for students to share their, and explore their faith. We have a chaplain that leads them in Bible study, mentorship, spiritual retreats, and social activities. And as they graduate from UBC, they become Christian leaders in their chosen professions. To expand this ministry, we raised $2 million last year to build a new student residence. Uh, it's a real miracle. It's just amazing, as I was talking with Faye um, earlier before the service. Very unexpected. Uh, we weren't ready for it, and yet a donor pledged $3 million of matching funds to the campaign. By God's grace, I hope that we'll be able to break ground on this new building this year, because it'll mean we can expand our ministry and have more Christian students at UBC. The second way that we train leaders is by an interactive Learn From Anywhere platform with, uh, with up to 100% tuition subsidy for, for people studying to be pastors. As a result, ministry leaders from around the world can combine seminary education with their chosen ministry and graduate debt-free. And many pastors and leaders are choosing carry. For the second year in a row, we're, exper- we're experiencing an increase in enrollment, and we expect in our MDiv program, and we expect full classes this fall. And a big part of this growth, this progress, has been as a result of the prayer and support of his people. So I want to thank all of you for praying for us, and many of you for serving at Cary in different ways to be a critical part of this growth. Thank you, White Rock Baptist Church. And please pray for us. As we continue to build for the future and anticipate higher numbers of students, we are currently in the process of searching for a a professor of biblical studies. We are reviewing candidates demonstrating the highest academic qualifications who are well-published with strong experience as teachers. We're also listening for a living testimony of faith in Jesus Christ, a commitment to the Bible as the Word of God, a personal engagement in God's church and mission, and support for the belief and values of the CBWC, including the formation of both women and men for Christian leadership. Next slide. Oh, we skipped that one. Next one. So leadership matters. Many of the organizations that you support invest in, uh, that you'll see in the, uh, in the hall later, they support the growth of Christian leadership in, in so many ways. And it's so important. I taught as a missionary in a carry program as when I was a CBM missionary before becoming president. Karen and I connected with some of our students, some of the carry students, during a visit to the Eastern Congo about uh, seven years ago. This photo is from that trip. The Democratic Republic of the Congo is a failed state. There's no functioning police. There's no justice system. It's a place of extreme violence and hopelessness. 
The genocidal militia from the Rwandan genocide fled into the Congo. They've been living in the bush ever since. They abduct, abduct young boys from villages to, to be conscripted, conscripted as soldiers and abduct women to be used as sex slaves in their camps. It's been described as the rape capital of the world. So on this visit, we visited a rehabilitation center organized by one of the Baptist churches in the Congo for these women. The leaders of this ministry would listen to the radio for when there had been incursions by these militia forces into different villages, and then they would go there and try to encourage the women who'd been attacked to come into this group. On that day, we were invited to hear the women's testimonies. And I can tell you, I've never heard anything so terrible in my life. I was uh, with my wife, and somehow I ended up being the only man in the room and seated on stage to boot. And uh, in one of those red velvet chairs that they love in those churches. Did you used to have red velvet chairs on the stage? And so I was sitting there, and the first testimony was a woman who escaped after three years of being a sex slave in one of these camps. And then the next woman who spoke had a similar story. After five years, she escaped. And they had their children with them, the products of rape. I was so overwhelmed by this, I remember I I bit my lip so hard that it bled, because I didn't want to break down. These women were broken in so many ways. They had severe psychological, psychiatric, and medical problems. These women and their children are rejected as garbage by society, and in many cases, by their families. And here I come to my point. But they were not rejected by the church. This church was investing in them, was giving them hope, was medical treatment, anything that they needed, helping them to start small businesses. And I saw in this most broken place that I've seen in the world, I saw a church of integrity with with Christian leaders who are making a difference. And that's when I realized Christian leadership matters. We need men and women in all the broken places in our world. I'm sorry, this story never gets easier. We need men and women who are ready to stand up to that call that God is asking of them to go forward into those broken places, to preach God's word, to say difficult things sometimes, to to share a word of grace, to heal those who are broken, to lift them before Christ the Lord. So leadership matters. Giving my life to train the next generation of Christian leaders is my mission. I don't know what God is calling you today, you to today, what risk or new adventure, but I can assure you that once you start down the road of discipleship, of risking yourself for God's kingdom, you will not regret it. You will not regret it. Like so many Christians across the world and across time, think of all of those who have gone before us. You can make a difference for the Lord Jesus. You can make a difference for the Lord Jesus. God is calling you to mission today. 
It could be in small ways, or God could be calling you to enter into ministry, to go overseas as a missionary, or to take up leadership, to to show new service in this church. Today, I'm asking you to reflect on God's call in your life. What is your next step in discipleship? Will you take a risk? Will you say yes, like those fishermen did all those years ago? Next slide. Towards the end of the chapter, we hear Jesus' call to Levi. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, he said, and Levi got up. Left everything, he left everything, and again followed him. Then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to the disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Tax collectors were hated by people because they could easily become corrupt. Their only obligation was to turn over to the authorities a certain amount of taxes. It was left up to them, personally, to determine who should pay how much and when. You can see how this could lead to considerable abuse. As long as they met their tax quota, they had the power to do so. So Jesus' call to Levi is significant because he was a socially unacceptable person. He would have been a rich man even. This underlines the reality that all of us are unacceptable in some way. So if today you're thinking, like I might, oh, not me. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. Well, Jesus is talking to you, just like he's talking to me, just like he spoke to Levi. When Jesus calls us, what is our response? Levi did not simply sit at Jesus' feet to learn from him. He took action. He invited other sinners to his house. His learning included active service. And maybe that's your challenge this morning. Maybe you've been doing a lot of learning. Um, At least you're remembering the sermon series that we're in right now. You're paying attention. Maybe God is calling you to take steps of service and put that into action. My own experience is that the Lord sharpens my call or invites me to some kind of new service every four or five years. My response when he invites me is usually one of the following. Lord, I'm not ready. I'm not good enough. Please pick somebody else. Or what? Who? Me? Are you talking to me? Jesus continues to call men and women to serve him, to leave things behind, to follow him, to make sacrifices, to take risks. Next slide. It's no accident that this story in Luke chapter 5 immediately precedes the Sermon on the Plain in Luke 6. That incredible series of challenges which seeks to direct our commitment towards the kingdom of God. Encouraging us to love our enemies. 
not to judge others, and to bear good fruit. And so as we think of Jesus calling sinners like Simon Peter, James, John, and Levi, not just to repentance and salvation, but to service, I believe that the Holy Spirit is asking the same thing of us this morning. How are you building your life? Will you step forward and trust God once again this morning? At the close of Luke chapter 6, we read, Why do you call me, Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. In conclusion, what next steps of discipleship is God calling you to today? How long has it been for you since you, took, you made that last big decision to do something new for God? Is there a sin that has been continually holding you back that you need to renounce or perhaps get help from a brother or sister so you don't have to face it alone? Is God calling you to give more of your time and money to help those in need here at home or perhaps in one of the broken places of this world? Is God calling you to take a step towards leadership in the, in the church to become a missionary, an evangelist? a pastor, a Sunday school teacher. Like me, you've probably heard the call of Jesus many times. Jesus' invitation to take another risk to follow him. Jesus is calling you today. The kingdom of God is at hand. Will you enter in? Father, We are overwhelmed by the needs in the world, and even closer to home, we see pain, suffering, broken relationships, health problems. We see big challenges. And so today, we want to say that we want to follow you. We want to serve you anew. And even today, this morning, as we pray, everyone's got their eyes closed. Just want to ask you, if you feel that God is calling you to something new, just to quietly raise your hand. I'm even going to keep my eyes closed, so I won't even see if you're raising your hand. Just raise your hand, and, and in a way, just to say, Jesus, I want to serve you anew. I want to step up for what you're calling me to do. Or perhaps... You feel a change is coming, and, and, but you don't know what he's asking you to do yet. Keep that hand up. Father, I just ask for all of those who are, who've raised their hands, who, who are seeing a new call is coming from you. Give them strength. Give them power. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and use them to be your servants in this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.